You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm Mike Petriello. Joining me here, Matt Myers. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we are. Uh, it's a, a very. I say. Every, I think I say every week that we have a special show. They're all special. They're all special, in their own way. And this week is very special because we are doing a Facebook Live version of the Statcast podcast. And uh, I guess that kind of makes us like Vince Scully for three innings every night, where he's on TV and the radio, and he's got to make sure to serve both people. But I was just thinking that. That's the last, first and last time anyone will ever compare you and I to Vince Scully. Uh, so I think what we're going to do this week is going to be pretty fun. It's it's kind of all-star season, right? The the balloting ends in uh, nine days or something like week that? Week from Friday. A week from Friday. The balloting ends. Uh, so we kind of went through and we picked all-star teams. Not necessarily the best players at each position, though a lot, of, a lot of cases it is, but if you're actually trying to win the game. Uh, so I picked the National League. Matt picked the American League. And we're going to kind of go through and explain, you know, using some numbers and some interesting ideas, why we picked each of these guys. And really, it's just how would you win the game? And so we kind of went through it and made sure we had lefties and righties and uh, at least I did. I don't know who you picked. I'm hoping you have an interesting team over there. I, I'm going to assume Mike Trout's probably on this team at some point. We'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, that's the idea. So, I mean, obviously they're, they are trying to win the game in real life as well. But this is a little more strategic. And it's also a little less about, oh, who's having the hot first half and more about, okay, track record's probably playing a little bit more of a role here than it might in the usual all-star selection. Process. Oh, God, is that how you did it? Oh, <laughs> okay, great. All right, so we'll start with catcher. After you, American League catcher. I think American League catcher is probably the easiest choice. Sal Perez. It's probably the easiest choice of anything that, ever. Yeah. Uh, Sal Perez leads AL catchers with a 130 weighted runs created plus. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, weighted runs created plus, average is 100, higher is better, lower is worse. The idea is that it encompasses everything a hitter does. Right. And I'm actually writing about this now. American League catchers this year are atrocious, like historically bad going back a century. It's the third worst season for hitting for American League catchers. And that's why Sal Perez being the only guy who's not only having a good season, having his best season really makes him stand out. And it's interesting because his K rate is way up, strikeout rate way up, which is very unroyals like His walk rate is still low as usual. So he's striking out 22% of the time. His career mark is 14% of the time. Walk rate still right around 4%. Hitting the ball a lot harder. Exit velocity, 90.6 miles per hour this year. Last year was 87.9 miles per hour. Easy choice, ale catcher. And ale catcher, who do you got? I swear I'd already written on Royals, by the way, before you read that. Uh, it's Buster Posey. Now, it's not quite as easy because Buster Posey's only had an okay year for him. And uh, Jonathan Lucrice had an amazing year. And Wilson Ramos has had an amazing year. I didn't go with Wilson Ramos because of the track record thing. He's actually been pretty terrible over the last couple of years. Uh, I went with Buster Posey because I think the biggest thing Luke Cray has going for him, the narrative, is pitch framing. And he's a very good pitch framer. But Buster Posey, also a very good pitch framer. A stack counter actually had him as being the best framer so far this year. So I think that kind of takes away a little bit from what Luke Cray has. Uh, Buster Posey's exit velocity is actually up, even though his production is down. He's just getting a little unlucky. His bat is down. I'm not, I don't need to defend Buster Posey that much, I don't think. He, he's, the, he's the right choice as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> now, as the AL manager, I'm annoyed that you picked Posey. I wish you'd pick someone else. Well, so first base, we, I think I know who you're going to pick in the American League, but I'm not sure. It seemed like you were wavering a little bit before. I was torn. Um, originally, I had, in light pencil, I had Eric Hosmer penciled in. And then I thought, you know what? He's probably going to start Clayton Kershaw. And with the lefty on the mound, I probably I, I just... I need to have Miguel Cabrera's bat in the lineup. You don't know I'm going to start Clayton Kershaw. Just an <laughs> educated guess. Um, Hosmer is actually hitting lefties much better than he has in his career this year. 751 OPS, pr- career 692. But I can't risk that 
Like, I want Miggy, you know, career 974 OPS against lefties. Obviously, he's Miggy. He doesn't really need much more of an introduction. Hosmer brings better defense, better base running. But when the best left-handed pitcher, maybe of all time, is on the mound, I'm going to get Cabrera's bat in the lineup. So the choice for me, if a righty was on the mound, if I thought a righty was going to be on the mound, if this is Arietta, I might. I think I'd probably go with Hosmer. But with Kershaw, I'm putting Cabrera there. So too late to change my starting pitching choice. <laughs> uh, so first base for me was actually really difficult because if you look at the National League, first base is stacked. Like Brandon Belt's having an amazing season. Joey Votto is still Joey Votto. This is the one I, I had a guy and then I changed him at the last second. I had Anthony Rizzo, and I went against that, and I went with Paul Goldschmidt. And if you look at it, Paul Goldschmidt, he got off to a slow start this year. He's been crushing the ball lately. Goldschmidt and Rizzo are essentially identical over the last calendar year, over the last two calendar years, over the last three calendar years. They don't really, their offensive performance is really very similar, which is to say they are both outstanding. So I went with Goldschmidt for three reasons. Number one is uh, that he is a righty. And I'm assuming that you are starting left-handed Chris Sale, unless you're going to throw me a super curveball and throw me the knuckleball or whatever. We'll get um, to that. I know now what you're thinking. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, even though he's a lefty, actually hits lefties very well, and that's true. He does. But Paul Goldschmidt just destroys left-handed pitching. His career, a 335 batting average, 435 on base, 602 slugging, 175 weighted defense proof plus against lefties. He destroys lefties. I want him against lefties. I also think that uh, you know he actually adds on the bases. He's got 72 stolen bases over the last five years. We talked about this a couple times. He's got great lead distance. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he gets a, a, off the base really well. He's not running 90 feet. He's running 75 feet. That adds something, and I, I think you know his bat speaks for itself. I like the other things he brings. I think that's a smart choice. Goldschmidt's kind of underrated out in the desert, gets a little overlooked sometimes, but... Uh... You know, as you said, he serves a more well-rounded game than Rizzo. So, P- Posey Goldschmidt, and uh, you have Sal Perez and, and Miguel Cabrera. It's a good start. Yes. Second base. Um, second base, I considered Robinson Cano, and he's a worthy a worthy uh, consideration, but I think it's Jose Altuve. Uh, tied with David Ortiz for the uh, AL lead in base percentage at 421. Uh, you know, he walks more than he strikes out. He's 18 for 20 in stolen bases, so he gives me, like, a, kind of a true leadoff hitter in terms of OBP and speed. Also a right-hand hitter. To me, not the obvious choice, but the clear, the clear choice. There's really only two possibilities, I think, right? It has to be one of those two guys. And you can make a, a strong case for either. And I, I think actually going into the season, I picked, I did the top 10 rankings for MLB Network, and I picked Altuve as my number one second baseman in baseball. So for you to choose him as second base, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. How about you? Uh, so second base, really my two choices here had to be Ben Zobrist or Daniel Murphy. I went Daniel Murphy. I think this is going to be a little controversial because he is a lefty. I know you're going to start a left-handed pitcher. Um, the reason I did that is because their numbers are generally pretty similar, but I like Murphy because his slugging percentage is like 100 points higher, but also because, and I'm kind of stealing one of your own ideas here, he, he is the best contact hitter in baseball, and I, I do think that you know contact is overblown, like the Royals didn't win because they make contact. But you got to have somebody in a lineup, especially if you're going to have a lot of big sluggers like we're going to have here. Somebody who can really be counted on to, to make contact, to interrupt an inning. I like, but there's not really a wrong answer here, I don't think. You know, they're, they're very similar players, uh, both very, very good players. So I went with Murphy over Zobrist. It it's definitely one of the tougher choices, I think, on any position uh, between the two leagues. And I could see that's it's kind of a coin flip. Uh, but I, your, your reasoning is sound. I approve of your reasoning. That's all I want. I just want to make sure it doesn't look stupid, right? Okay, great. Uh, shortstop for American League, that's got to be a really hard one. This is where I threw in a little bit of a wrinkle uh, because the player I picked for shortstop is actually on the ballot as a third baseman. Okay. But I think he's played slightly more at shortstop this year because of an injury to a teammate, and that's Manny Machado. Manny Machado has sort of had his, his true breakout year. Um, he's one of two players in baseball slugging above 600. His isolated power is 288, which is 100 points clear 
of the next AL shortstop, Carlos Correa. Sandra Bogart's an obvious consideration as well as Correa, but the opportunity to move Machado over to short, which is where I think his future should be. And, you know, I think this is J.J. Hardy's last year, his last, yeah, last year of his contract. So it's, for, if I were running the Orioles, I would be penciling him for a shortstop for years to come. Uh, so this was my way of getting Machado what I think is the right position while also freeing up third base for another fantastic for, player we'll get to in a second. For who that player is, basically you chose that player over Bogarts. Because yes. you could have slid Machado over and yes. had both of them. Yeah, but I, I just, exactly. Exactly. So I'll, we'll get to that in a second. So right. for me, Manny Machado, starting shortstop. Uh, starting shortstop, National League, I had to go Corey Seager. And uh, I think, you know, if you look at the actual balloting right now, it's Addison Russell. And he's a, a very good defender. And obviously the Cubs are kind of lifting all boats, but he's not really hitting that well. Corey Seager has the best uh, offensive performance winner and one's rated runs created plus of any National League shortstop. Uh, 5.05 he's slugging so far. And he actually got off to kind of a slow start. And he's got a pretty good, he's a left-handed hitter. But in his career so far, he hits lefties. He slugs 490 against lefties. And you look at the other shortstops in the National League, you know, Oledmus Diaz got off to a great start, hasn't really hit in about six weeks, and he's not a very good defender. Uh, Story, obviously, from Colorado, got off to that huge start. Not a bad choice. Brian Crawford's out there, obviously, too. I had to go Corey Seager. He's a better defender than people think, and he's the best hitter in the National League, the best shortstop hitter in the National League. Yeah, I think he'll probably be the... The lone rookie in our fictional game? Uh, he is, yeah, probably going to be. I think so. Uh, yes. Yeah, he and, I mean, he and Diaz and Story, all rookies, and, and he has the opposite trajectory of those guys. Started off slow and it's just been on the rise ever yeah. since. Those guys have really fallen off after their first hot months. Uh, that's probably, maybe, I don't want to say the weakest spot, just there's probably the most uncertainty around that spot because it's so rookie Rookie NL shortstop probably is the right. the uh, most uncertain. I, I think you're absolutely right. And and quick unrelated tangent, it'll be interesting to see if Corey Seager wins NL Rookie of the Year or if Trace Thompson wins NL Rookie of the Year because I think that'll be a fun conversation. Uh, so third base, we sort of got to it a second ago, kind of gave away who my choice would be, and that was Josh Donaldson. I'm shocked. I yeah. didn't think it was going to be Josh Donaldson. Reigning AL MVP. <laughs> um, yeah, so as you said, year. basically the, the choice is between Donaldson and Bogarts. When you frame it that way, to me, it, when you throw in track record. To me, it's a clear choice. Um, he leads all AL third baseman with a 389 OBP. Um, 20% of his batted balls are above 100 miles per hour with a 10 to 30 degree launch angle, uh, which is basically the perfect line drive zone. That's also the highest among AL third basemen if you include Machado. So it's even higher than Machado. So the guy makes quality contact all the time. Excellent defender. Pretty good speed. Just a well-rounded player. It could have just been Donaldson good because yeah. he is amazing. Um, third base for me in the National League was really, really hard because Chris Bryant is outstanding. Uh, Matt Carpenter has turned himself from a very, very good player into a superstar. I really thought hard about Matt Carpenter here. I ended up going with Nolan Arenado, and a big part of that is because he's, has, he's just an elite defensive third baseman, just a, the best defensive third baseman in baseball, and I include Manny Machado in that. If you look at uh, a defensive run saved since 2014, Arenado has 46. It's more than double any other National League third baseman. Double. Right? And that, that's incredible. And obviously he hits. Uh, he's slugging 590. And he's not just a course field creation. Everybody thinks he is. 12 homers at home this year, not on the road. Right? He can hit away from home. He can feel everywhere. It was a really tough spot, but I do not feel bad at all about having Nolan Arenado on my defense. It's a... Uh... It's a tough choice, but a, reason, a, a very defensible choice. Well, I hope these all are. I mean, we're sorting through some really, really good players here. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. <laughs> all right, left field. This is where it gets interesting, I think, for both of us. There's not a lot of actual starting star left fielders these days. It's really like a platoon position for a lot of teams. Left yeah, field. Yeah, left field, I, I end up having to, to move someone uh, to a different position for this one. You know, if he, he's, for example, Justin Upton has come on lately. If he'd been having a Justin Upton season all along, I would have considered him for left field as a true left fielder because you don't want to have to move someone. You'd rather have someone. But he's just he's been a little too shaky this year for my tastes. 
So I, I made what might be seen as a, a, a bold choice. I've got Mike Trout. Mike Trout left Mike field. Trout, Mike Trout in left field. Okay. Embarrassment um, of riches on this team. Yeah, obviously Mike Trout needs no introduction. I think my favorite Mike Trout stat is not even a stat, just fact. He's had four full seasons in the majors. He's finished in the top two in MVP voting every season. Granted, he's only won one of them. Could arguably have won all four of them. I was going to say, the fact that he's finished in the top two is a disappointment three of those years. Um, also, other thing about Mike Trout, Mike Trout that I love is that like last year, this offseason, he was like, yeah, I want to steal more bases. And everyone says that, but no one actually does it. But he's doing it. Last year, he was 11 for 18 in stolen bases. This year, he's already 10 for 11. So he basically was like, oh, my base then got sloppy. Let me be great at that again. And he's doing it. All right. Mike Trout, left field. Um, What am I going to say against Mike Trout? Right. Okay. Left field for me was tough. I thought about uh, Ioannis Cespedes, who's not a center fielder, and he's hitting the cover off the ball. Really, I thought hard about him. Uh, I thought a little bit about Christian Yelich, but really, I ended up going Starling Marte. And that's because Starling Marte, well, first of all, he's slugging 498. So he's he's really come on with the bat. He's crushing the ball, 373 on base percentage, 138 weighted runs created plus. Who can argue that, right? But also, if you look at his speed and defense, that's what I'm really interested in here. He has the third most steals in baseball. He's got uh, a top five ranking in base running runs uh, since 2013. And he has, by our, our 90th percentile metric here, the third best outfield throwing arm in baseball. Average of 94 miles an hour behind Aaron Hicks, uh, who probably isn't going to make the minimum soon. And Miguel Sano, who probably isn't going to be an outfielder soon. So maybe in a couple weeks I can say that Marte has the best outfield throwing arm in baseball. Uh, his defense is stellar over the last couple of years, top five in DRS. If you're going to hit the ball on the left side of my team, Arenado and Starling Marte, good luck with that. Yeah, no, it, he's one of the most well-rounded players in baseball. And he's a true left fielder, which sort of goes, you know, it speaks to what I was saying before about Mike. Not that I don't think Mike Trout can handle left field, but obviously, you know, having anyone in their natural position in a game where every little edge counts, you know. I like the idea that having Mike Trout playing somewhat out of position is somehow a detriment to your team here. <laughs> every little bit counts. So, who actually beat out Mike Trout to be a center fielder? Um, this is probably, I think, the, the maybe the weakest spot in my lineup, particularly with a lefty, if I'm facing a lefty, and that's well, Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, put him in center over Trout just because I think he's a better defender and definitely a better arm. Uh, Mike Trout does not have a great arm. Uh, it's probably more of a left fielder's arm. Whereas Jackie Bradley Jr., we've seen him hit 101 miles per hour uh, with a throw from the outfield, one of the one of the better arms in the game. So I felt comfortable putting him in center. He does have a 383 OBP this year, which is second to Trout among AL outfielders. He has a respectable 275, 367, 431 line against lefties. So that'll play. I mean, I'm, I'm, he's almost certainly going to hit ninth in this lineup. Um, but he's an elite outfielder. He's an elite outfielder. So um, Jackie Bradley Jr. will, will uh, play center field, and I hope Mike Trout will understand my reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, I think this is going to be one of the more controversial ones for me. National League center fielder. Do you have a guess who I picked here? Um, I'm gonna g- it's either going to be... Just because you know me, you're already thinking about who this is going to be. I'm going to guess it's either Andrew McCutcheon or Bryce Harper. No, it's neither. It's Marcelo Zuna. Oh, wow. It's my, listen, Marcelo Zuna, we, I talked to him up all, all winter and basically saying he was uh, the only guy in the top 20 of Exophosity last year who had a below average season, which that's almost impossible, right? You cannot hit the ball that hard and not be productive. And I said, this, he's, that's going to change this year. And wow, has it changed. He is arguably the best all-round outfielder in the National League. Now, I don't think he's actually that. I think he's played like that. You know, there's there's kind of a distinction. Uh, 565 slugging percentage. He's crushing the ball. And the exit velocity hasn't really changed. And what's interesting to me is that the launch angle has, right? Last year's launch angle was about 5 degrees. Uh, so it's a lot of ground balls. This year, it's almost 12 degrees. 
what that means is his average distance on his batted ball up from 200 feet to 233 feet. So he's hitting the ball hard, but he's no longer hitting it like into the ground. He's hitting it up. So these are line drives. These are home runs. And he also destroys left-handed pitching, 360 on base, 539 slugging. My boy Marcelo Zuna, center field. At least, you, you know, you, you put your money where your mouth is. He's a guy that I probably wouldn't have chosen just because of the, the, the slim track record. Uh, that's a guy that I think I, if I were running the NL team, he would not have been my choice. I think this would be one of the, my strongest disagreements with your lineup choices. Right. Um, <laughs> I think I, pro- I, I actually might have gone with, with, I mean, maybe I'm too much of a, a McCutcheon honk, but I think I might have just for track record, I, I might have picked him. I just don't think he's healthy. He's had a really rough season. You know, yeah. the thumb's hurting. Uh, that, that would be my big concern because otherwise, obviously, McCutcheon is outstanding. That's fair. Um, right field, uh, I went with Mookie Betts. All right. Um, you know, he le- granted, this is only right fielders, but he leads all AL right fielders with 2.7 more. Um, he actually, despite as, go- as good as he's been, he only has a 295 BABIP for a guy with his speed, which I find surprisingly low, which suggests to me he's been kind of unlucky and that his batting average is probably is a li- like a little bit lower than you would expect. He's also 11 for 12 in stolen bases. He's another speed guy. Something in a game like this, you know, for facing Clayton Kershaw, every run counts. You want a little extra speed on the bases, guys who can who can create some runs. So for me, Mookie Betts uh, was the choice for right field. Very valid choice. My right fielder is kind of weird in that he may be the most talented player in baseball, and I still feel like I had to talk myself into it a little bit. So Bryce Harper here, yeah. obviously. Uh, Bryce Harper, you know, we've all seen what he can do, but it's been almost two months worth of slumping now. So that kind of gave me pause. Uh, the reason I, I still selected him is partially because his slump is still pretty good, right? Over the last two months, uh, on-base percentage is 400. His slugging is 403, and that's down for him, but he's an above-average hitter at his worst times. This isn't Giancarlo Stanton, who is striking out like 50% of the time over the last six weeks. It's barely, you know, it's almost unplayable. Uh, it's still Bryce Harper. Since the start of 2015, he has the best line in baseball. 443 on-base, 603 slugging, 178 weight plus. He has a strong arm. He's a good outfielder. He's still Bryce Harper. Even if he's not going to maybe be my cleanup hitter in this lineup, I, I can't argue with having him on the team. Yeah, it's... You- he kind of has to be on the team. Right. You know, just... It's not a valid team if I don't have him on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll leave this. We have DH and starting pitcher left. Uh, for me, DH, I guess, probably seen as kind of an obvious choice. It's got to be know? David Ortiz. David right? Ortiz leads the majors Ortiz. with 699 slugging, uh, which is kind of insane. Um, he's got 29 doubles, uh, which he, he could challenge. You wrote last week, he could challenge Oral Webb single season record, 67 doubles. He has 35 batted balls of at least 100 miles per hour that have traveled at least 350 feet, which is most in the majors. So he's hitting the ball hard and he's hitting it far. Um, so it's, I, he, I just had to go with him. I considered, considering a left-handed pitcher, I thought about Edwin Encarnacion. Okay, because his, his, I'm a big fan. OPS against lefties above 1,000. Um, but Ortiz, it just, it's Ortiz. He's the best hitter in baseball right now. Yeah, he just he just couldn't couldn't not pick him, and he's also it's weird because like four years ago he was unable to hit lefties, and it's a, a remarkable late career turnaround that he was sort of able to like he was basically a platoon player, and he yeah. sort of rediscovered how to do it. So I, I don't have the fear of him um, facing up against Kershaw, and like you know whatever soft factors you want to use in a big spot, who who do you want up the plate more than David Ortiz? Fair enough. Uh, DH for me was a little different because obviously as the National League, I don't really have DHs, so I was able to kind of pick and choose who I wanted. Part of me thought about just dropping Stanton in there and hoping for the best, you know, because he's still going to crush the ball at times, but it's just striking out too much, and against what I assume is Chris Sale, I, I couldn't do it. It would be embarrassing for everybody to watch. Uh, I really thought about Matt Carpenter there. I went with Matt, uh, with uh, Chris Bryant because I wanted a right-handed power bat, 
and uh, Chris Bryant, I think, more than qualifies. Uh, slugging 525 this year, on base 360 this year. What I really like about him is he he's as productive as he was last year, but in a more efficient way. He went into the offseason and he said, I actually want to change my launch angle. I love that. He talked about launch angle. He said, I have too much of an uppercut swing, and that's why I strike out so much, and I want to change that. And he did. His, uh, his strikeout percentage, he's dropped it from 30% to 22%. He's changed the launch angle. Exit velocity up, slugging percentage up, strikeouts down. Uh, he's a, He was great last year, and he's making himself better. I like that. Solid choice. Okay, thank you. You didn't much to say about that. Um, so so which, we uh, have the staring pitchers. Well, actually, maybe first, what's your well, lineup? Let, me, let me ask you lineup. Yeah. Um, what, was, what do you think was your toughest toughest choice? Are there any players you didn't mention that you sort of consider that didn't, that didn't make a spot? Well, Mac, uh, Matt Carpenter, who I mentioned. Yeah. Matt Carpenter was number one, the most difficult guy for me. Um, Brandon Belt has had an amazing season, and he's actually had several Although he did strike seasons. out against Eric Kratz last night. Well, you know what? That's a badge of honor. I, I, he was probably laughing too hard to do anything about it. Uh, no, for me, probably the, the two guys that were the hardest to leave off were, uh, other than Carpenter, were Belt and Cespedes, because Cespedes has obviously had a great year, and he's a good left fielder. Uh, and Belt, I think, is really underrated because, you know, he's not Posey, and he's not these other first basemen, but he's, he's been hitting better than even this year. So he was the guy I really thought about. Yeah, for me, the, the question was sort of that outfield arrangement, as I kind of alluded to. You know, I considered... Possibly George Springer in left field with Trout in center. Um, but because in my head, I was like, oh, Springer seems like the kind of guy that would really crush lefties. And then maybe if I, you know, but he doesn't have a huge split, which to his credit, he does not. Right. But <laughs> for a situation like this, um, I preferred Bradley's defense in center. Um, another guy, I can, you know, that at least I thought about for a, for a hot second was Ian Desmond. Just not enough track record for me, but he's having an amazing year. Um, and under different circumstances, I probably would have. Thought of Jose Batista as a no-brainer, but he's obviously hurt right now, and he was having a bad year to begin with. But part of me thought I, I did make some selections based on defense, and obviously defense is important. Part of me wonders if that matters less because, uh, listen, I'll be honest, it's going to be Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> if he's going to strike out everybody and get weak contact from everybody, do I really need the best defenders? You know, I, I don't know. It was just a thought. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's definitely a consideration. So anyway, my lineup, uh, I would go Altuve first, Trout second, Machado third, Donaldson fourth. Cabrera fifth, Ortiz sixth, Betts seventh, uh, Salvador Perez eighth, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. So yeah, I like that. Altuve is the obvious leadoff guy, and then I think Perez and Bradley are the obvious kind of lower in the lineup guys. But otherwise, you could make that middle of the lineup really any way you want. And those are all elite stud hitters. I do like Mike Trout hitting second. I, that that appeals to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you? What does your lineup look like? Uh, so starting with Marte leading off because he you know he can run. He's got speed. I like that. Um, you know, two, three, four for me are Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Harper which I think is just a, a brutal murderer's row. And then, oh, number five is Chris Bryant. And then, uh, you know, at the bottom of my lineup, I think, is a little bit weaker than yours. Uh, Daniel Murphy's obviously having a great year. And then Posey, Ozuna, Seager. Uh, even though, you know, Ozuna's slugging like 560 and Seager's slugging like The weak spots. So what we did is we, we took those lineups and we kind of we combined them. I don't even know how this came out for you. What was the sum total? Give me like the, the, uh, the, ba- the triple slash of your nine guys here. Uh, for this year, this is their combined stat line. It is 308. 383, 565, weighted runs created plus of 151. Okay, so you beat me there. Mine, uh, mine is uh, 297, 375, 526, with a, a weighted runs created plus of 139. Now, if I had just wanted it this year's stats, I would have Wilson Ramos catching, and I'd have Brandon Bell at first base. That's you know, not exactly the way we wanted to do this. Uh, but I will say that while your lineup is probably better than mine, my starting pitchers will ruin your starting pitchers. I think if we made a list of the top 10 starting pitchers in baseball, it would be Chris Sale and nine national leaders. Uh, probably. To that. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, you said before Kershaw would be the choice to start the game. 
here, here's the starting pitchers. I, I kind of made my list. Kershaw, Arietta, Bumgarner, Syndergaard, Scherzer, Strasburg, Fernandez, Cueto, DeGrom, Nola, Granke, and then like five other guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, it would be, I would start Chris Sale. Uh, maybe let him go through the lineup one and a half times, <laughs> maybe twice, probably more than four innings. Um, then I think Kluber would be my next guy up. And then after that, maybe, Steve, Stephen Wright, maybe? Just and for I, fun? I don't, I don't trust the track record. <laughs> I don't trust the track record. If Knuckles not knuckling, then... Marco Dave, Strada? David Price. David Price, okay. David Price would probably be number three. And then maybe Quintana comes into the conversation. Um, He's been a, weird a, healthy, a healthy you Darvish, yes, but you can't count you Darvish. But, and, like, Felix is her... And Felix, Michael is having a really was, rough yeah, year. Uh, Richard's got her. You know, uh, Sonny Gray's been her. Rich Hill's been her. Yeah, the, it's, the AL has been just a, a real disaster area when it comes to starting pitching. Yeah, right. I mean, the you know Kluber. The thing about it, on peripherals, he is out outpitched Sale over the last three years by Fangraphs WAR. Corey Kluber leads AL pitchers over the last three years. The thing about Kluber that I worry about is he's the guy who seems to be constantly underperforming his peripherals. He has a very low left-on-base percentage. So I wonder if he's a guy that maybe he's not – he definitely maybe loses something out of the stretch in a way that, like, makes him a little bit lesser of a pitcher than maybe his FIP, yeah. his feeling independent pitching might I, suggest. I, this, I, he's still an ace, don't get me wrong. I think that's fair, but I also think maybe less so this year, but more so the previous years. Uh, the Cleveland defense has been this is true. generally terrible. But even this year, he's got a low strand rate. Yeah. So, um, so I, I would – for that reason um, – I'd give Sale the, Sale the nod, but Kluber would definitely be my number two starter. That's fine. I'm going to have, like, eighth-inning setup man Johnny Cueto or whatever, so I'm pretty <laughs> happy with my starting line. Like <laughs> exactly right. And then, oh, look, here comes Kenley Jansen and uh, Hector Rondon, so I think I'll be okay with that. Hey, that was a lot of fun. It was. So, I wish we could play this game. This is, uh, what, this is what I would want, you know, I would like to see the All-Star game look like. All right, well, we'll have to set that up on a video game and uh, find some friends to do some simulations. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. This has been the StatCast podcast for this week. Uh, we've had a couple of really fun shows in a row, and I think we've got some interesting guests we're lining up for the next couple weeks. So uh, I'm Mike. He's Matt. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.